Hello and welcome to the Comics Pals Review Special. Today we are here to talk about nothing other, of course, than West Side Story. Steven Spielberg did it again, boys. La, 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 America. Ansel Elgort was the lead we needed all along. <laughs> I, I think that in this inside. tale of Puerto Rican... Uh, um, Here we go. Romance. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Puerto uh, Rican that what romance. It's about, huh? That's the- I think so. That's what I've gotten from the trailers <laughs> in this movie that I definitely saw. Anyway, we're actually here to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. We are super, super excited to have this conversation. It feels like we've been waiting for this movie forever, and there's so much excitement surrounding it. Um, we are going to spoil everything when we get into the spoiler section, but we will have a spoiler-free section for anyone who just wants to kind of hear our initial thoughts. If you're trying to figure out whether you want to see it or not, or you have plans to see it, but you want to hear us talk just a little about it, we've got you covered on all fronts, as a matter of fact, because that's what we do, baby. If you want to hear us talk about things not related to Spider-Man No Way Home, I don't know what to tell you because we're talking about it everywhere, (laughs) but uh, you can listen to our main show, which drops the same day as this Monday. So it's out now Uh, there. We're talking about the box office aspect expectations for no way home, a bunch of comic book announcements and the bad stuff regarding Kickstarter that dropped this week. Our comic book reviews are every Wednesday for image Thursday for everything else. And we do a lot of other cool stuff too. If you're not familiar with us, so check that out. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash the comics files for all of our awesome content. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's get into it the way we always do, which is through Rotten Tomatoes. Today, we're going to do our Rotten Tomatoes game where we, uh, I tell you guys to guess the tomato meter score and the audience score, the critics and audience score for the movie, and whoever gets the closest without going over wins the no prize. Coveted. Yes. All right. I'm going to go. I say critic 87 and sorry, I meant 90 and the audience 87. So, okay. So 97 and 87. No, nine, 90 and 87, 90 and 87. Okay. Okay. Kale. <clears throat> I think audience is probably high. I think I think probably like a 97. Uh, but I think critics are probably like a 95. Okay, so you're saying critics 95. Audience 97. Audience 97. Damn. I wanted to say critics 95. Um, I thought Kale would go lower. I'm no, going to say... That's my personal rating. I'm not an idiot. <clears throat> I'm going to say... Just because Kale took 95, I'm going to say Critics 96 and Fans 98 because I can't. Damn, okay. he, he snuck in where I wanted to be, and I'm afraid to go lower. <laughs> okay, so uh, I think based on this, and I should say the Tomato Meter, uh, which is the reviews from Critics, that's 27 or 270 reviews. 10,000 plus verified ratings for the audience score. 
a score that I think leads to Marco winning. Oh. 94% tomato meter, 99% audience score. So I get audience score. He takes tomato meter. Okay. So it's a split. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll graciously accept a tie. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so <laughs> ripping it in half. <laughs> if you are a regular listener of our show, you know that there was a bet where if Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire did not appear in Spider-Man No Way Home, that I would have to watch all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, which sucks for me because I hate pirates, and I would have to stream my watch. That would suck. Listen on throughout the rest of this to find out if I'm doomed. Let's get into our initial review. Sean, I did have a a win condition, though. Should, oh, yeah. What's the win condition? So, uh, <clears throat> Kale, not to put you on the spot, oh, but yes. I'm going to assume this is just me, right? We've been friends a little while, and I feel like I have gotten to know you over this time, and uh, I feel like you're not going to be coming in. You better get to in, it. Too, too hot. You're going to come in pretty hot onto this episode, and any negative review or opinion that you have has to be delivered with a smile. I need you to be happy okay. while you deliver it. Sure. <laughs> can't make, can't make, no, he can't make, can't make his little grumpy face. He goes, <laughs> here's to be now. Hold on. Those are in reactions to things. That's different. You have to smile. Mm, you you smile. said, you, you said the smile. delivery had to be happy. Okay. If, if you're saying something positive, you're saying something negative about this movie, whatever it is, it has to be with a smile. If you're responding negatively, smile. You know what? We'll have to see how it goes through the, uh, <laughs> through the review. All right. So initial thoughts about the movie. Spoiler free. Um, I'll, Pete. Yeah, I'll start. Um, I think the <clears throat> the overwhelming feeling that I, I had like coming out of this movie was um, very much just like not like not being able to believe that it came together in the way that it did. Um, I think one of the things I remember saying on a past show was like, I feel like this movie has the most potential to give me that uh, Avengers feeling where it's like, wow, like we're going for this and we we're, we're pulling it off. Um, and I, I think it did deliver on that level for me. Um, I don't think that it's like a movie without flaw. Uh, and I'm, I will get into, we'll get into that. Um, but I think for, for my money, this movie is very much about fan service. You know, like I think that is the name of the game. And depending on who you are and what kind of fan you are, um, I think some of those things will either really work for you or will really not work for you. And I, um, I would say probably nine times out of ten, fell on the side where a lot of those things were things that got a pop out of me, you know? Um, and, I, and I had a lot of fun with the movie. It was a movie that I, it made it easy for me to, um, to enjoy it, you know? Um, and, I, and I wanted to enjoy it, right? Uh, so yeah, I, I came out of it feeling very, very positive. Um, 
even though I think some of its, you know, mechanics are are messy and, you know, we can you know, we can debate about that, but um overall I had a really good ride with it and um I, I can't I can't believe that it's a real movie. I really can't. <laughs> uh so I'll go next. I think what I what I ended up doing was the night before, Marin and I watched uh No Way Home just cause or Far From Home rather, because uh she's not seen it and obviously it's gonna pick up straight from there. Uh and I feel like this was a culmination for a lot of things and you're right pete this was a lot of fan service so some of that fell on deaf ears for marina and i think i didn't get as big a pop i feel like from some of that and so it it kind of fell into the worry that i typically have for these larger films and when we bring in a bunch of different universe stuff uh in the comics i had similar feelings about it for the movie and um i think that impacted the viewing quite a bit uh i had fun it has its flaws and we'll definitely get into that but i think overall this was uh, solidly enjoyable um i i personally think i had more fun in my viewing of Far From Home, but uh, this was, it, it was still a good time. How'd you go? When I left the theater, I liked it more than I thought I would. Uh, but <laughs> man, this movie just it didn't hold itself together for me at all it for me it felt like all the other marvel films that i just if it felt like those i just don't care about them they do nothing for me at this point um uh i uh i think <laughs> i think uh this film I think it uses a lot of fan service, as we've said, but it uses it cheaply. And I don't, uh, I don't know, for me, I don't see a reason to care about any of this. Um, and this, you know, this is uh, coming in uh, as a uh, my first Tom Holland Spider-Man film. I didn't like any anything. Um, it, why would he have to smile? We 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 haven't determined whether or not. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I if if you if you like it, you like it. I man, have fun. I sure did not. Man. Well, I sure did. Uh, this There's was an absolute joy from start to finish i had a tremendous time with this movie yeah it's it's not flawless by any means um but you know when you talk about making something special i think that marvel has found ways to do that 
that are unprecedented in film. And, you know, we really only have seen that kind of stuff in like Saturday morning cartoons and comics where you can do something so cool and so unique. Um, and just based on the premise, right? The idea that these villains from prior Spider-Man incarnations are going to unite or appear together and that Spider-Man will have to deal with that, right? That in and of itself is crazy. And it could easily not work. But I think that the filmmakers, the creators involved, find a way to make that make sense and make it a fun ride um, that works a lot better if you turn your brain off a little bit and accept yeah. some things that are not tremendously well done. Um, you can have so much fun with this. The performances are top-notch. I think that Willem Dafoe, um, coming into this movie, I did not know what to expect from literally anybody. But Willem Dafoe proved that he is the Green Goblin. You know, um, he did a tremendous job, I, I thought, with every aspect of what he was given. And from there, yeah, there are varying degrees of screen time given to the various characters, but I think everybody brings their best shot. Even Jamie Foxx, who I think pretty much everybody would say is either the worst of the villains that have appeared in a, in a Spider-Man movie or the second worst, depending on how much you love Venom, Topher Grace's Venom. Um, I thought he did a pretty good job. Like he was given more to play with and that was fun. So uh, from top to bottom, great cast, really amazing job. It's a marvel that this even got made. And it's so captivating as a Spider-Man fan to watch these events unfold. By the way, a lifelong Spider-Man fan, there's so much to love and enjoy. Yes, it's fan service. I don't think that that's a bad thing. I think that phrase has a negative connotation for a lot of people, and I don't think it has to be bad. And I think for me, this was a time where it was done excellently, surprisingly so. This movie exceeded my expectations and i'm so so happy that it exists and by the way it doesn't matter how many surprises are in the movie if the movie isn't good and i think the movie works <clears throat> yeah i i agree with all that and i um i do just want to co-sign and and add um I think that I think that um part of the like fan serviceiness of it all right is like we talked about how or I've talked to, at least in the past about how I feel like uh into the Spider-Verse does a really good job of of fan service cuz it's quiet fan service and like this is loud fan service and you can argue whether or not the movie or like the MCU or 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 what have you has um like earned the the some of the moments that it presents here but like I think for me I feel like um if they if they hit for you they hit and like they landed for me emotionally because of my investment in the character and you know what um what what my relationship to the character has meant over the years right like that's where a lot of it comes from for me so like 
if you don't have that connection, you know, like it, like it sounds like Marco's expressing, like I could, I could see why some of it might not land for you, but like, you know, um, if it sounds like you're on the side of the fence that Sean and I are, I think you'll find a lot to enjoy. Let's, let's just get into the spoiler stuff. Cause it's, it's clearly hard to contain. Um, so if you haven't seen it and you don't want to know anything that you don't need to know to go into the movie, then adios. And we'll see you on the other side. Please do come back to listen to the rest of our thoughts. Stick with us. If you don't care about spoilers or you already saw it, here we go. <laughs> Can't believe you don't have to watch a pirate movie. I what a, don't what have a bummer. To watch. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to never see these movies. I'm never going to see them. Honestly, it's like, I don't even care if you see the movies. It's just like for the audience, like the content that would have produced <laughs> would have just been sublime. Like that's the loss. It would have, it would have been like, <laughs> I feel like it would have been a twisted piece of art to just watch your reactions to these movies. I got to get paid for that. Yeah. Fair enough. And, and even then, I don't know if I'm, a, I don't know if I'm willing to sell my soul. <laughs> And if, that's, if that's not an ad for a Comics Pals Patreon, I don't know what is. <laughs> well, so obviously, based on that, we all understand that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire absolutely did appear in the movie. And I'm so psyched to talk about that. It's freaking mind blowing. But I don't want this review to be too focused on just that aspect. I'm so right. I would like to go all the way back and talk about you know, the mo- how the movie starts and, you know, how we get into everything, because this does take place right after Far From Home. It literally starts with how the Far From Home movie ends, like the after credit sequence, which I thought was really smart. Good attention to detail on Marvel's part to recognize that there's probably a good chunk of the audience that did not see that ending because it was the after credit scene. That was us. We forgot to watch the after credit scene. And then when when that played, I turned to Marina and she's like, do we miss something? I'm like, we forgot to watch the after credits. <laughs> so that was uh, perfect. Almost half the theater walked out of this one. Um, and I was in a theater full of like young, shitty kids. Couldn't believe it. <laughs> they don't know movies. They, they walked out like they left. Like they didn't, want like they didn't wait for the after, after credits. They didn't yeah. wait for the credits. Oh, I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, they were shitty. So I think a lot of them left in the middle of it just because they were dumb, <laughs> but. Well, yeah, so really good decision on Marvel's part to do that. I think it also yeah. helped to add uh, kind of like there. So there was no like actual member of the Sinister, like no six member. Hmm. I felt like Mysterio almost was that because he was the catalyst for sure. why this movie happens the way that it does. So I like that even though they didn't include him in the body of the movie, his presence was still sort of felt because of what he chose to do. Uh, so I did enjoy that part. I agree. Um, the opening like 20 minutes of this movie, I actually felt was a little weak though. I thought it was probably the worst part just because of how quickly it wants to get past all that stuff. It almost feels like they were like, damn too bad. This movie is so tethered to far from home. We couldn't do it any other way. But wish we didn't have to do this stuff because you get you get the the reveal of, oh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And then it's just like, oh, gosh, people start going up to MJ and accosting her. Peter has to get her away from that. Then they uh, go back to Peter's house and, you know, people are harassing him there. And it's all this stuff, him trying to get 
you know, on May and uh, happy not to watch the TV, but it's unavoidable, all this stuff. And then, you know, they end up getting locked up and they're in prison dam- or they're in jail. Damage control is a part of it. And there's some fun moments. I'm glossing over that stuff because I want to just get to the point. Um, and then within like two minutes, they're in Peter's house again. Yeah. And I felt like all of that just was too fast. They didn't let that those moments really breathe at all. And it was like comedy or moving past this. No weight whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was definitely immediately felt like it, things were brushed off and that didn't feel too clean for uh, especially coming out of uh, Far From Home. And I think that that uh, it, it got you into sort of the pace of the movie. Uh, but I, I think had we stood there a little bit more, it would have felt like a bigger deal that his identity got revealed. Because literally it's like, oh, okay, now you're just famous and that's it. There's no, there's, there wasn't a consequence necessarily. Uh, it, it, it wasn't until the villains got brought to Happy's house or like re- removed that there was a consequence for his actual identity being out out there. Yeah, I, it sucks because like I feel like it, it's like a kind of a multifaceted issue, right? Where it feels like there's there's some missed opportunities there because it's mm-hmm. like I feel like you know the movie's like what two and a half hours, two and a half hours, yeah. I feel like it probably could have hit the three hour mark, like you know the the last two Avengers flicks, um, just because it had so much to juggle. Um, and I'm generally not one in favor of being like a movie should be thirty minutes longer, but I could see how it would have benefited from that time, whether that was you know, maybe like rather than having um, and I mean, I, I guess I don't mean to like drive to this, but like rather than having the resolution of that be like, oh, Daredevil shows up and is like, you're good. It's not going to stick, kid. Um, maybe we could have had time for like a courtroom scene or something like that, where it is seeing the resolution of it and showing that like time has passed since it happened. If we don't want to focus in on that stuff too much, you know, like we could show that it's been a certain amount of time where his life has been getting worse because of this and that it, there was consequences to it separate from the magical consequences of it that we'll get to later. Cause ultimately that's where all the real consequences of Peter's actions come from, right? Or that he goes and tries to undo this, not, oh, this happened, so here's how it's impacting his life, you know, significantly over a period of time. It's more like, all right, he didn't get into MIT right now because he's got some heat on him, you know? It's like, that doesn't feel like that big a deal, you know? Like, it sucks. I get, like, as a kid at that age and everything, that would feel like the end of the world, especially for his friends, Um, but, like... I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I feel like they would have applied next year and it would have, it would have worked out. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know that that part didn't bother me because he is only 17 and I, yeah. I get how, and he feels tremendously guilty, right? Like, damn, my friends didn't get in because of me. That sucks. But going back a little bit, I had a really hard time finding myself in terms of like when is this all happening because far from home takes place and i believe that they are on a school trip during the school year right yeah yeah okay then in this movie within the first half an hour he's starting senior year so 
there's no scene that gives you a frame of reference for how much time has passed from the beginning of the movie to the start of senior year. So I was thinking it was a plot hole. And I understand it probably wasn't, but the movie really, really could have slowed down a beat or two to give us a better understanding of where we are, what time it is. Oh, I thought it was coming back. I thought he was just coming back from his trip. And like, that was the, the big thing. I, I I didn't realize it was a new school year because it, it made it seem like, usually, I guess when I, I went on a senior trip and you come back and then I started getting applications. So for me, it, it felt like it was just during the school year coming back from this trip and he's waiting on the end of the year applications that should be coming through like May or something. Maybe you're right. But I thought I I thought I heard Betty, the 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 news reporter, say that Spider-Man had to face his greatest threat ever, which was senior year. I think I it, thought, no, it was college college admissions. Oh, oh it, it, that is what she says. Yeah. And admissions. that would be like the latter half of your. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. Fair enough. That makes sense. Um, so I obviously I, I missed out on that. Though. To your point, though, I think the fact that like there is a rhythm issue in the beginning of the movie because yeah, we're trying sure. to get past that stuff to get on to the real what the real meat of the movie is about i think it leaves me feeling like yeah maybe we could have done with another 15 or 20 minutes in that section just to give it some more room to breathe or something i don't think that um <laughs> the uh uh the you know the the murder charge and stuff i feel like well maybe not the murder charge but the um you know, the damage control scenes and then the, you know, I, I feel like that whole setup was driving to Charlie Cox. Like all that, you know, feels uh, uniquely MCU. I agree with that in a, in a bad way. Uh, yeah. I don't like I obviously we haven't like given it in its moment. Matt Murdock is in the movie. Charlie Cox is Daredevil. That's insanely awesome and cool. Yeah, love that. But. I wish it had been like Pete said, if Peter had to go to trial, right. Mm -hmm. And his lawyer was Matt Murdoch and we see him walk into the room. That's a way bigger pop. Mm -hmm. I think that's or way like, more exciting and cool. Or like even to, to the point, a point that you made, Sean, like why does that scene mechanically go from we're in custody asking for a lawyer to we're back at our, apartment much later time has passed and it's all been resolved seemingly like matt murdoch should have just walked in and been like yeah. and like shut that shit down like that would have been cooler and i don't even think and then if it cut forward to oh hey yeah. it's not gonna stick kid we're back it's cool it's cool like it wouldn't have felt so abrupt mm -hmm. right and he's saying he's a really good lawyer but it's show don't tell you know what i'm saying like that's the rule of storytelling so yeah you know, like when that, someone throws the brick through the window like that was a fun show moment that was pretty yeah that was pretty i like that a lot and just like the look that peter gives him when he, he just catches the rock and okay <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> the the one character that marina did recognize outside of um tommy mcguire was um uh charlie cox and she turns to me she's like oh that's that netflix guy iron fist like super excited <laughs> oh i'm just like yes God. honey Nailed it. Oh, that's hilarious. Nailed it. I'm so glad I married you. I love Jessica you so Jones. much. It's Luke Cage. Um, so, yeah. It's, oh, what's her name? Uh, Madam Yao. <laughs> Madam Yao. It's Madam Gao. Okay. 
okay, I was one letter off. Come here, cut me some slack. That's how that works. Um, <laughs> we'll talk a lot more, I'm sure, about Matt Murdock, Daredevil on the main show down the road. I don't want to get bogged down in that because there's so much to talk about. Super cool. Happy for Charlie Cox. Can't wait to see what that means down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, so, yeah. So then, you know, there's funny shenanigans. Peter's back in school and stuff like that. The movie really kicks off when he makes the decision to chase down this admissions person on the, you know, the bridge or whatever, headed to she's going to the airport and he's confronted by Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. My theater went nuts for that. That was super cool. Yeah. Um, yep. And there were a lot of moments like that, obviously, throughout the movie um, where these characters are making their returns and people showed their love and appreciation. I've really enjoyed the fight between them. Um, this version of Spider-Man is a lot more experienced than the versions of Spider-Man that faced off with these villains in the past. Yeah. Just because of his Avengers stuff. So it was kind of tough for me to accept that he could go toe to toe with Doc Ock and not just beat him. Um, I feel that there are in some ways, this Spider-Man is like, there's an effect of dampening his skill set whenever he faces his own villains that we don't see when he's in an Avengers situation. And that's a little bit bothersome. But but the Avengers has the benefit of being a team. Like at that point, he's by himself. He's fighting like a new villain. He's trying to just assess and he's being called out as Peter Parker. I need something. So he's like, there's like a lot processing there. I feel like that gave me that leeway. Yeah, I I think it's interesting that you feel that way. Not to dis- discount it, like I I've never yeah. really thought of it that way because I I don't yeah. necessarily think of it like in the context of his own books, even right where it's like, you know, yeah, like he gets involved in big league stuff, but it's always like he's got heavies backing him up, you know. But my thing is that in the in the comics, right, Spider Man wasn't an Avenger until not that long ago, like right? In the last 20 years. So there's all this history of Spider-Man beating people by himself. And he has to do that. Whereas the Spider-Man of the, of the MCU often is helped and can't handle situations by himself. He actually doesn't defeat Vulture. Uh, Vulture beats himself through hubris and Mysterio. He does beat, which was pretty cool. Um, however, in situations where he's surrounded by the Avengers, just the fact that he lives at all is a feat, but he's also very valuable. So for him to fight an old man, right, with octopus arms, which is cool, but he also has arms, which was a great, that was a sick fight where he's where they're fighting with their arms against each other. I love that. I really did like that. I I just feel like this version of Spider-Man being so much more experienced than Toby was, he should have this in the bag a lot easier than Toby did, because at that point, his only other villain that he fought was Green Goblin. Um, that's just my feeling, but either way, cool stuff. I, it's funny because, like, I did feel like he beat him pretty easily. Like, it's like there is like a pretty significant fight, but like I, I felt similarly to how it sounds like Marco felt, where I was like, oh, I felt like he was kind of getting his grounding, and then like, I mean, granted, he is like, it looks like he's gonna eat shit right right before he wins by accident, so. To your point, um, maybe he should have been able to, to figure that out a little bit quicker. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, 
I guess I guess because of that fact that like he does often have an assist from somebody, the idea of him struggling um on his own doesn't it, it didn't strike me that way. This is also one of the primary complaints that people have had about this version of Spider-Man. Um and I, I, to be fair to the movie, I do think that it ultimately ends up addressing that to some degree, yeah. but there's more to be said about that. And I'll say it a little later. Um, let's talk about Doc Ock now. Let's talk about Alpha Melina now. Like, what are you, what did you feel about his return? Do you feel like he was well utilized? Just all your thoughts about him now. I, I think that overall, uh, he was well utilized. I think that you, know, you made the point. Uh, earlier Sean that like there's not quite enough room for everybody and I feel like they leaned on the characters and the actors who were the best right like the the lizard um and uh and Sandman like have very very reduced roles but like Mm -hmm. even Jamie Foxx who like you said like you know by all accounts like everybody agrees that character sucks but, like, Jamie Foxx is cool. Like, he's good on screen. So they give him a few lines, and he stands out more than they do. Right? right? Like, he's got a lot of good bits. Um, and that's enough, you know? And I don't feel like I needed more of that character, right? And, like, Norman and, you know, and uh, and Otto are the characters that I feel like people really wanted to see more of. You know, Alfred Molina um, and, uh, and Willem Dafoe are both amazing actors and i i thought that like melina slipped back in the role very well you know and that was i think my biggest concern is having these actors come back and play characters they haven't played in like 20 years and like can they reconnect with that role can they uh play that role in a way that feels authentic and i i feel like he he succeeded there for sure um kill (laughs) yeah he's smiling um i uh I, I really dug his performance and I, I thought that um the ways in which he was leveraged differently than the other villains um was interesting and I think spoke to that version's characterization well. And I think that was something that I dug. I felt like their characterizations were, were consistent. That is what I could have used more of, I think, uh with Doc Ock specifically. I would have liked to have seen him helping Peter and the Peters more. Mm. Um, you know, he shows up, you know, as the the Deus Ex Machina to a certain degree at the end. Um, but I don't know. I feel like there could have been more because I don't. I you know with with the you know uh, Tom Holland always gets. Uh, help from you know elders i feel like it's different with this doc ock because he's uh you know he he's from a different place he doesn't know this guy and his mind is messed up until it's fixed so you know i think i think he 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 would willingly help i think he would have you know once he gets the the chip fixed or whatever i think he would have you know uh, help them concoct the plan that he just disappears, you know, I don't know, I guess to make room for Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield, like, right. yeah, it felt like a bit of a waste. And I agree with that, because I think, like, I think what I don't like about that decision is it feels transparent. 
in that way that you just laid out, right? Where like I I remember when he ran off, like it's he runs off right after uh Electro like shocks him. And he's like I liked you better the other way. And I thought that he busted the thing that that Peter Me, made yeah. and I was like, "Oh, he's evil again. Fuck. That sucks." Yeah. Um and then he comes back and he's like, "Oh, never mind. It's cool. I'm I'm still a good guy and I'm going to help out." And like I like that choice, but I I feel like to Kale's point it would have worked just as well if rather than him showing up as like the last moment, like we need an assist, he's comes through and he's the good guy. Um, he could have just shown up after they all teamed up and, and been like, Oh, like I'm here to lend a hand. And he didn't have to say anything really. He could have just been hanging out in the background the way that, you know, Ned and, and MJ are like, they're there. They have one or two lines. He could have been hanging out, helping out. Even as a last second, you know, uh, you know, he takes the shock and then falls or whatever, and he disappears for the the major part of the fight, but he shows up again to save May, you know, like I think I think that could have worked, you know, and given Peter and May the out. Yeah. Yeah. I had I think that, that could have also worked really well. I had that same thought during the fight. Um, because for like a, a split second I was like, oh, I guess they refried the chip. But if they didn't, like my my confusion was like, why would he run and not help Peter stop Osborne? Considering he he recognized that Osborne was at that point like either they were trying to save him. Um, it just it felt a little dissonant for where, like how he was introduced at this point and how he had been quote unquote cured, and um, I, I think I think the character. He did well. I think Alfred Molina was awesome in the role. Um, I just similarly wished he would have been utilized, I think, in a more, uh, I guess, intelligent way because it felt like it, the, he was moved out in order to allow for mostly other characters to fill in the void where we wanted to showcase. Yeah, I think he represents a story problem in the sense that, mm. you know, you don't really need that extra... Like, you need they 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 needed the extra hand, but from a storytelling perspective, you don't right. Not like, eight hands. He, yeah, he doesn't actually add anything material. In fact, if you think too much about it, like you guys are discussing, it's actually harder to justify certain things that happen in the movie if you just think, well, what if he was just there instead of not? Um, but I appreciated that they did give us that hook of like. Oh, he got shocked. Is he back to bad? Yes. We'll find that out later. I was cool with that. And it, it, it wasn't the end of the world. Yeah. Um, I like Alfred Molina a lot. I think he did a great job. I think that it was smart of them to not have him just be a villain because we all love both sides of Doc Ock in the film. And so, and when I say the film, I mean Spider-Man too. Mm -hmm. So I really like that we got to see both aspects of his character here. Um, and it was great to see him again. I really appreciated that they had him have a face turn, like yeah. a proper one, because I really do feel like that was that's what makes that character so compelling in Spider-Man 2 is yep. like, yep. like you meet him as a good dude and it's like, oh, in another world, him and Peter could have been friends and colleagues mm -hmm. and it's it's so tragic, right? Like yeah. he's a character born out of loss and all that stuff. So it was cool to see him get that redemption. Yeah, um, we got to move on. Let's talk about the Doctor Strange of it all, because Peter, you know, is done with Doc Ock. 
which I I want to say this and have no no response. I hated the whole part where somehow Peter's suit and Doc Ock's arms integrated. I thought that was just ridiculous. Um, I don't even see why that would happen. But um, Doctor Strange gets in the mix, and we see that he's no longer the Sorcerer Supreme, which was a big surprise to me. I didn't see that coming. It made perfect sense because he was gone for five years, and something has to happen. And why not Wong? Um, I think they missed a they missed a huge opportunity though um, to introduce um, Brother Voodoo, Doctor Voodoo as the new Sorcerer Supreme. And I'm really bummed about that. Uh, putting that aside, wow, Doctor Strange is dumb. Man, it is hard to watch two British guys put on a New York accent and speak to each other for any longer than five minutes. Be that as it may, Doctor Strange was dumb. Why would you agree to do this spell at all. Yes. Oh my God. That was so Marina halfway through Marina turns to me in the theater. She's like, this plot's dumb. I'm like, Man, why are you yelling? We're watching a movie. Uh, Cause she's like, why would he do that? Like why, why allow Peter to dictate anything regarding fixing his life at this point? Cause it's see, just college. Like see, for, that for, is... for, for strange, it's just college. Right, like that, or I mess with the fabric of the universe. Yeah, but I, I see. It's funny because, uh, like, even a that doctor, I, a doctor, <laughs> whatever. But like, I, I feel like I can, I, I can even accept that if you like. It's like, all right, cool. Like, they're friends. He helped him save the the save the world together, right? He thinks he's a nice kid. He wants to help him out. He, you know, whatever, right? Fine. If they even had a five-minute conversation, ten-minute conversation about this, where he's like, okay, Peter, before I alter the fabric of reality, here's what's going to go down. These right, are yeah. the these are the parameters of it. How's that sound to you? And he's like, oh, no, well, not everybody. I want these, like, five people and, like, all the Avengers can still know or whatever. That's fine, right? Like, cool. And then he would have been like, all right, chill. And then he would write the spell that way, and then the movie would have ended. <laughs> and it's just, like... I, and I feel like they took a weird, like, alternate route around the most obvious way to make the spell go wrong, which is that the multiverse is cracked right now. You don't yes. have to do all this extra, oh, Peter's really annoying, so he keeps talking, and everyone's a spell. Like, please, man. You, it, it could have very well have been, all right, I'm going to conduct the spell. Usually it's, you know, very well teeters on the borders of reality and whatever, and then it happens and it's like, oh no, I did this and I didn't realize that reality has been split and fractured and shit. And like it's made it more delicate. And yeah, that's it. Like like that, that's a that's a quick, easy solution. Especially when you have him say the line, the multiverse is something we know frighteningly little about. You could yeah. have very easily had him just be like, I had no fucking idea that this could happen because I didn't see Loki. So I didn't know that the <laughs> The timelines are all <laughs> fractured and shit because the TVA doesn't exist. So all these motherfuckers are just floating in like and that could have been it. We didn't yeah. even like all of that extra shit is like not it's frustrating because, again, it's transparent. Right. The reason that that happens that way is because they want 
the end result that we get that we'll talk about later on that establishes a new status quo. That's why, right? Because that's the real reason of that is because he fucks up this thing, they're able to use that to resolve things and tie up loose ends. But but it's it feels oddly disconnected for an MCU movie. Like it, it feels like that that was obvious research to be done and to be to integrate into this movie where I feel like usually Marvel's on the ball for that kind of thing. Yeah. The the reason they didn't do it is because it needed to be Pete's fault for Peter's fault for some reason, A. And B, they can't bank on everybody having seen everything. Yeah. That's that's really just what it comes down to. And it's frustrating because I just feel like if you're gonna if you're gonna bring in characters from 20 years ago and expect people to have some level of familiarity with that, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that they've seen Loki. Yeah. Or give them some kind of refresher or whatever. But uh Doctor Strange goes ahead with the spell anyways, it goes ass up and now all these villains are have arrived and everything and it's just a complete and utter mess um then peter brings on board ned and mj to help him i want to talk about ned and mj here i like them but boy was ned annoying in this movie i thought really like yeah is he better in the other ones because i thought so I, I, I like him a lot in Homecoming and Far From Home. In this movie, he just, I don't know, man. He was just just nonstop. He never stopped making a joke. They weren't always funny. Mm. And it just never ended. And it's like, my God, this is serious business, and you can't stop joking. I like the bit where he was like the Sorcerer Supreme, or not the Sorcerer Supreme, but he could make portals. Yeah. But it was just, it never ended. It was constant. How many times are you going to show this bit? Like, we get it. it we understand. Yeah. Um, so that was frustrating. I think MJ fares a lot better. I was very frustrated by the Watson angle. Like, they got to stop this. It's just annoying. The, the, if she's Mary Jane Watson, let her be that. If she's Michelle Jones, let her be that. Why are they coming out of the woodwork with this Watson crap? Oh, I don't go by that. Okay? I think it's because they wanted to indirectly confirm it. You know, in a way that's like non-committal, but like is like okay, no, like she is though, but she's yeah. not though because she's M- Michelle Jones. Yeah, she's still not. But that, it's that's like the thing. Yes, yes, but I I also feel like it's like it's the way that like um I don't know like the Spider-Man of like Japan or like you know of India Mumbai um. Right, like, it's like, well, they're not Peter, but, like, they're echoes of the same kind. You know what I mean? It's like, it's... I don't think so. I don't know. I think it's I think it's similar to, especially in this film, I think it's very similar to what they do at the end when he gets and makes the new costume. She's not Watson anymore, so now they can actually introduce Mary Jane Watson later, and they can introduce uh norman and harry and now now you get the spider-man you know maybe Hmm. that's possible i think i think that if 
this was a Sony movie only from the beginning and there was no Marvel association at all, she just would have been Mary Jane. And the yeah. reason she's not yeah. ties into all the like legalities yeah. that prevent this, these movies from having certain things. Um, and it's frustrating because it's so transparent and like, I don't care. Just don't call her anything then. Just let her be Michelle Jones. I feel but, like I feel like they drew that line more clearly than ever though here, right? By the Watson thing, but also like they had um the part the part where, you know, Toby's Peter is talking about MJ and he goes, MJ, and then Garfield looks and he goes, My MJ, right? And it's right. like Yeah. Sure. Um, I liked her. I think Zendaya did a great job. Uh, she really seems to have honed in on what the Michelle Jones character is, and she yeah. serves great deadpan humor, legit jokes that are funny, but also <laughs> the serious moments where she has to get real. I thought those were great, too. And I buy the love between her and Peter because they're actually in a relationship in real life. Yeah, they have so good chemistry. Yeah. I also um, I feel like this is true that I've heard of of, of the other films. They have that sort of rom-com oh, feel yeah. to them. Oh, yeah. uh, so. Those sort of 80s teenage films. Yeah. I I felt that when they're saying goodbye. And that was the place that I was like, okay, I see that. So that and by the way, that's why I think you probably would like Homecoming quite yeah. a bit. I, I, you would, you would probably like it a lot. But and maybe Far From Home even, because that's a huge focus in that. And yeah, yeah wow. that's where you get that. That's too bad. <laughs> uh, but they get involved in this whole fiasco. <laughs> I didn't buy their involvement. I understand that Peter often gets his friends into hairy stuff, but this just felt too big for them. But okay, fine. It's a movie. It, it has to be what it is. He goes, Peter goes after Electro. Unknowingly. He thinks he's going after Green Gob. Um, but he goes after Electro. Another pop in my theater. Jamie Foxx is back with a new look that was weird um, because they basically stripped every single element from the amazing Spider-Man two version of Electro, but it is the same character. Yeah. And that was trippy. It's literally, I mean, it's not literally, it's essentially Jamie Foxx playing himself as Electro. I'm, like I, a I, I, like the like Jamie Fox, right? The the human actor, yes, basically right. playing himself. Yeah, there were no okay, elements okay. at all wise. of the prior. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I see. Okay, I I didn't see. It's been so two, long so. since I saw that movie that I like don't really remember that. I watched it the other day. I watched. I I, I was able to see them all. He's like a a weird, nerdy, kind of creepy guy who's way too attached to Spider-Man and stuff like that. There's nothing cool about him. Yeah. Yep. They did a 180 on his character for this film. Did, did you think that worked better? Hell yeah. <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> Fox is awesome. Yeah. It was great. And this, I wish that this version of Electro was the version we got in Amazing 2, or at least was going to be appearing again, because this was a version I'm actually compelled by. Mm. He ended up being a driver of the movie in the middle part because he's the one who's kind of he's the first one who's like, wait, I like this world better. I'm not leaving. You're not getting me gone from here. I'm sticking around. And that 
made it possible for Norman to do what he does. Right. So I was very pleased with Electro and he was badass. His powers were legit. He was not a pushover. He was the most threatening of the of the crew. Like he, yeah. his power level was like once he had the arc reactor, I was like fucking forget about it. Like, yeah, dude, like he's he's jacked. Um, Absurd. Yeah. So and, cool. And I, I, I thought he uh, like you said, similarly with like Zendaya, I thought most of his bits landed um, he had a pretty high uh, on base percentage for me there where I uh, like, you know, uh, he has good chemistry with the villains like him and, and Garfield have their moment and that works like, yeah, I, I, I really dug it. Um, I, I would I would be all in to see him for them to like work him back in in some weird backdoor way, you know, like when I, we I get wish. the inevitable. You know, there's going to be a, a fucking moment where that shit happens, right? Where there's going to be some kind of, I think, coming to a head of the multiverse thing. And maybe we can bring alternate versions of some characters in and shit like that. And I'd love to see him get cemented. I feel like he he's a great choice. For sure. And they worked in the star face. <laughs> that was cool. That, yeah. That I was like sick. That. Yeah, they did it in a way that's like not too obtrusive. Very sad. But, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Um, Peter would have probably died to Electro if it wasn't for Sandman. Like, I don't yeah. see any way he gets out of that. Unless he just powerful. fucking ran away, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Sandman, we did get him in this movie as well. Obviously, Thomas Hayden Church. Um, fine. You know, like, didn't care about him much in in Spider-Man 3. He was like, he was serviceable. And here it's about the same he doesn't care about any of this. He just wants to get back to his daughter, which is about the same thing he was into in Spider-Man 3. Uh, so it's fine. I don't have anything to say about him. I, I generally agree. I think he's a character we didn't need more of, but I also felt like similarly to what we were talking about with Doc Ock, I felt like it was a little contrived that like he meets up with Spider-Man and helps him out. And then when he realizes that he's a different Spider-Man, he's like, oh, fuck you. I don't trust you. It's like, yeah, yeah he's like, can we just slow down and talk about this for like five minutes? And like, and like, I want to send you back to help me out. Right. Like it's it's fine that that's not what happens, but it's one of those things where it's like, oh, it's a movie. So that's why it happened that way. Not, you know, oh, yeah, that makes sense for that character. But it's also mm -hmm. like I don't care about consistent characterization for that character as much as the characters that we do focus on. So I feel like it's like a mechanical concession. You know, I kind of felt like it did make sense. And the reason I feel that way is because in Spider-Man 3, one of the core aspects of his character is that he actually, like, he's a nice guy, but he doesn't care about anything at all other than his daughter. And he's paranoid because he's on the run. So I didn't. I didn't bat an eye when he realized, oh, this isn't Spider. This isn't the Spider-Man that I know. It has to be extremely jarring. That's if true. You put yourself in the shoes of someone who's living that. Yeah, that's um, a good so point. For me, yeah, but the scene that I want to talk about now is the one where they're all together. I'm glossing over Willem Dafoe for the moment. We'll get back to that. But the scene where they're all captured in Doctor Strange's basement, that was one of the hallmarks, uh, highlights of this movie for me. The banter between them, seeing Norman and and uh, Otto share screen space that wow. never happened. Yeah, and 
Norman doesn't know what happened after he died. That's crazy to me. That like it blew my mind. And I I think it leads to that framing leads to a lot of Alfred Molina's best moments. Yeah. Um like him talking about Norman and literally describing himself um yep. I thought was brilliant. Like and that was awesome. And it's like very true to like Doc Ock and how he's often portrayed where it's like he'll he thinks he's above shit that he's absolutely not above, you know? Right. <laughs> and uh and, I dug yeah. that a lot. And he doesn't quite realize like he doesn't even fully understand the scope of what happened to him. Yeah. Which is tragic in a way, which has always been Doc Ock from these movies is that, you know, it's sad, but um, great interplay. I even loved uh, how the lizard knew um, Max and Max knew the lizard. And they, they, they were like, there was so much fun in that sequence. And again, yeah, it's fan service, but I got a lot out of it. I can see why like Marco maybe wouldn't because you don't have that history with those characters, whether you've seen the movies or not. It's just, you don't care as much. Um, But yeah, I love that scene. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, right? Like it's like that kind of fan service is a thing where it's either going to land for you or it isn't. And like, you know, (laughs) it's been a hard year, man. Like I was happy to just enjoy it. It's that simple for me. Yeah. The question mark around Peter sending them back. Oh, that was a little rough. I thought a little rough. That was that. That was like the whole plot of it. That that's where the plot for me fell apart. Where like he wants to save them and keep them alive, so that way they don't die in their own universes. But like I think uh, Strange could have very well. I I was waiting for Strange to be like. It doesn't matter because if they die in their universe, they're going to die in this universe. They're going to die in that universe because that's what happens in the multiverse. And we've we've had that confirmed in um, what's uh, Loki, right? Like it doesn't matter where you are. Uh, you can, what is it? They can find you and it'll you'll die or something. Well, that was only with the TVA though and they don't exist anymore. So there's no, there's nothing to rein that in now. Well, but that's also true. there's Also the Doctor Strange of- wouldn't know that. That's There's true. also the conversation of Peter. Everybody dies. <laughs> yeah, but he's Dude. seventeen. You know. Yeah, but it's still it. it it's it old felt, enough. It felt it felt like it it threw off the whole plot because he wants to cure them and fix them, and I'm like, but. Dude, you're you're here. You did the thing. I thought it was gonna be the rest of the movie was him trying to fight and you know contain them, but uh, and uh, at that point. Osborne was in the uh, in the basement so I'm like oh he's gonna turn and like free everybody it's gonna be this big chaotic thing but it was just Peter's being like no it's like, okay it's, but what is the plot here like what where are you going Peter you're not you're not being helpful to the situation what I liked about specifically Electro's vision and, and I kind of wish they could have applied it to the other villains but because they're all so different, it, it was impossible is that he wanted to stay and Norman only wanted chaos. He didn't care about the outcome. He just wanted to mess stuff up. Yeah. So that I thought was intriguing. And I felt like, okay, if they all felt this way, then the story could be about Peter sending them back 
and them resisting that. That to me is a very clear cut line. But because they couldn't do that, they had to find like a weird angle of like, well, first he wants to just send them back, but then Aunt May says no. Then he thinks about it. Then Doctor Strange says no. Now they got to fight. It, it, it created a, a complicated middle section yeah. that was quick, right? In the sense that it wasn't like it didn't, the movie didn't slow down in a way that was like frustrating, like a lot of other movies do. But I, I just had a hard time believing in it. It's just kind of needlessly convoluted. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it's uh, like I, I don't think. I don't I don't think that it doesn't pass the smell test like the argument of like well Peter finds out that they all die in their universe because they have an organic conversation about it right fine and because of who he is and who his aunt is and you know what values he's been taught to stand for he believes life is sacred and he doesn't want to send anybody to their death right he doesn't want their their uh, blood on his hands whether or not it would be. He feels like it right. would be, and that's enough for him, for the moral person that he is, especially a naive kid, right? That's it's fine. Like I, I buy it enough, but like to your point, Sean, it didn't need to be that complicated. It could have been as simple as they all find out, oh, like when we go back, we're gonna die, and he's like, "Why? Well, I, I gotta send you back." Like it doesn't matter, like you know, and like you didn't have to go to that moral place with it i get why you would but i think you could have contextualized it in a way where like peter isn't making a decision to send them back and kill them that's not what's happening right like right and they also by the way all don't die because sandman didn't die lizard did not die right um oh yeah okay yeah and some of them don't even care about that (laughs) so i just i do feel like there was a simpler way to go about it I understand that certain concessions had to be made to get where they were going. That does knock points off the movie for me as much as I do love it. And I'm going to give it a great score. The, the everything that they had to do to get to where they got was tough. What was crazy. And I thought super cool was the fight between Spider-Man and Dr. Strange. That was off the charts. That was neat. I, I dug it because I feel like um, the other times that we've seen the mirror universe, right? It's like, it's all magic users. So there's like a lot of like very similar imagery. Um, I appreciated the fact that it, uh, when you have Spider-Man there, right? It's like, okay, well, how does Peter, a non-magical character navigate this space and right. use his skill set and the things that are unique to him as a character, like his intellect, um, to think his way out of a situation that, you know, he really shouldn't necessarily be able to. Because that's Spider-Man, right? Like, that's, like, every character he ever beats is, like, yeah. oh, yeah, like, Electro probably could kill Spider-Man pretty easily if Spider-Man was dumber, you know? Like, right. <laughs> but he's not, so he, he wins. Oh, he can fight Juggernaut or the Hulk and be, like, yeah, I mean, I can't beat, beat you in a physical fight, but I can outthink you. I can outsmart you. I can concoct a ridiculous scenario where you're immobilized and I take the day, you know? Sure. Um, Kale, what did you feel about that that Doctor Strange Spider-Man fight? It was fine. Good visuals. Cool. There you go. Look at that. Yeah. It's a Marvel film. Of course, it'll be top-notch. I don't know. Can't even give them proper credit. <laughs> right? He's like, oh, I actually, want, I actually enjoyed that, but I. <laughs> but it's to be expected. So fuck them. I... 
I mean, what do you like? <laughs> hey, man. It. Like, look, of course, the visuals are going to be absolutely incredible. They farm them out to, you know, uh, green screen companies. And like, yeah, of course. Okay. I guess that's fine. Um, I just a quick fun fact. This movie's marketing was originally supposed to to be only about Spider-Man versus Doctor Strange. That was the the conceit that Spider-Man's desire to uh, be forgotten, his identity to be forgotten, would cause him and Doctor Strange to be cross swords, and that's it. And then the the Sinister Six aspect and all that other stuff, we were supposed to just learn in the movie, but. Because of yeah, all the leaks and stuff like that, yeah, they couldn't but... hold it back, so they just put it in the trailers. I think that's really interesting that they originally weren't even going to tell us that. I love um, that. I think that's that a real cool. shame. Yeah, yeah I, yeah. you know, um, obviously, you know, we talk about that kind of stuff on the show and everything like that, and there, there's fun to to that stuff, but it is really a shame that because we live in the internet era that like this is just surprises anymore yeah like think like people can't just like leave well enough alone right like people are so like eager to get the scoop and and have that that headline or whatever that like like nothing can be a surprise anymore um yeah if we had gone into this movie not knowing that any of those things were going to happen and they just started popping off it would have been fucking insane Right. Yeah. Like, it, like that would have been nuts if we had never even like gotten a whiff of that before. Right. That would have been like, holy shit. Did somebody write a wizard magazine article in 1998 and they made it a movie like it's nuts, you know, and and like it is special that this happened and that we were able to make it like the fact that it even lands at, c- close to as well as it does is kind of nuts. Right, like yeah. regardless of the problems that we're outlining, and and they they exist, um, but yeah, that sucks. You know, like that would have been amazing. You know what was amazing? Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe was, uh, I want to say a revelation, but it's not new. It's like it's not a surprise that he yeah. killed it so hard. The only thing that surprised me about his performance in the film was how much he was in the film. Uh, We didn't know the degree to which any of these characters would be involved. There was a large part of me that thought that the villains and the other Spider-Man would only really be around at the end. Yeah. So for Norman to be as big a part of this film as he was, and for Willem Dafoe to basically steal every scene he was in was wild. He's the villain, really. He is the villain. You know? And the movie suggests what I love and what I believe to be true, that Green Goblin is Spider-Man's greatest enemy. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Um, he's tremendous. By the way, Willem Dafoe did all his action stuff. I There's oh, this yeah? clip going yeah. around. I retweeted it. Um, if you want to look for it, it's over on my Twitter. But uh, he was giving this interview, and he said that the, the condition on which he came back was that he would do his own stunts and that he would get to be involved in major action sequences because it's fun for him and that's one of the things that he misses do, missed doing about the character and everything and like yeah he was basically like look if you're going to use me it ain't going to be a cameo like I'm right. in this fucking movie 
and we're going Damn. for it. Which dude, is awesome. Dude, it's fucking incredible. <laughs> he's 66 years old in my yeah, sure. dude, sequences. Like, and he's like fucking... He, like, power bombs Spider-Man. Like, it's crazy. He does, like, two fucking straight-up wrestling moves he in that fight. He a buster and a power bomb. It was that incredible. Was it was awesome. So and, much fun. And it's, like, it's funny because I, I loved how it harkened back to what the fight scenes were like in the Raimi movies. You know? And it's, like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's, like, how Green Goblin fights. Like Very physical. It was dope. Like, so cool. And, by the way... I'm glad you pointed that out. There's a lot of attention to detail in this movie about other movies. Like, yes, they very they paid a lot of attention to because even the Doc Ock fight, the way that he fights with Spider-Man looks like the way that Spider-Man and Doc Ock fought on the train. Very close physical combat. That was brilliant. I love that attention to detail. And there's other stuff we'll talk about, too. But with Norman in particular, the way that he... Um, I mean, he has two like minds in, inside of him and the way that they utilized that was brilliant because it gave them the ability to have the small, the quieter moments where they're all together in Happy's house and they're trying to figure out like, okay, let's come up with these cures so we can fix everybody. You guys can go back home and then the other version of Spider-Man won't kill you. You won't die because you'll be depowered or whatever. That was a little goofy. We'll talk about that more too, but Norman having Green Goblin inside of him allowed that scene to go forward and push the narrative because once the Green Goblin takes over, it's game on. Yeah. That was crazy. And it's like I, you yeah. knew it was going to happen, but the moment it happens, that got a huge pop in my theater, right? Where he just yeah. gives the smile. It was like, oh, hell yes. Like, hell yeah. yes. And, and the way his clothes kept like devolving and got it kind of getting more like raggedy. It looked there's a there's a um, a version of Green Goblin that looks like that, like yeah. like a similar costume. So I really appreciated that. That was just like, oh, my God. And Literally, go my ahead. only gripe is I really wish uh, I wish that we had gotten like one more scene in the original mask. You know, uh, agreed. I, 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 I really think it's dumb that they didn't keep some facet of that. Like, yeah, that he had just regular like welder's goggles or whatever. I, I thought I thought was dumb. And and I feel like probably part of the motivation is that like you want to show Willem Dafoe and let him act because his facial acting is really good. And yeah. like he didn't he didn't break the goggles though. Like the the eyepiece, like well, you could still see his mouth, which I think is the that's the the Willem Dafoe thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. But I I I feel like that mask is so iconic, and like I would have loved to get just just a little bit of time with it, even if ultimately we were gonna break it and move on from it. Normally, I hate it when they demask these characters. Every time Spider Man takes his mask off, I cringe. I can't stand it. This was probably the only time it didn't bother me because I just wanted to see Willem Dafoe. Um, yeah. So, but I, point taken for sure. That sequence where like they all start fighting in Happy's house. I don't know if I've ever felt more intense and like dread during a Spider-Man movie, because from the second that Aunt May grabs that vial and you know that that's the way they're going to stop Norman. I'm like, she's got a target on her back. Something bad is going to happen to her because she has this right now. Um, 
and the way all the villains start fight. Oh my god! Like I couldn't believe I was watching that. Like it was, it didn't feel real. It was a good use yeah. of the the spider sense, like yeah. to, oh, for, yeah. for him to be able to like hone in, and then you're kind of he's he's already surrounded by a group of villains, and he's just like circling the camera, circling, and you're kind of there. It was a good it was a good moment. It was um, a good representation of of the you know of of the power you know which is the like, best yet. Yeah, because it's very like. You know, it's random, right? Like, it's it's a very, like, hard to... Like, in comics, it's super easy to just put a little buzz around his head and, and, like, give it that feeling. But I feel like they never quite have tapped into it in the way where, like... Especially, like, that kind of... Oh, like, he knows something's gonna happen, but he doesn't know what. And, like, that's right. often how it is, right? It's not like, oh, yes, I know, it's it must be this, right? Like, it's usually like he's like, oh... Something's not right, you know, when it's not a, an immediate physical threat. If right. somebody's throwing something at him, he'll just dodge it because his body reacts. But when it's something like, you know, in the case of Norman deception, like he's a threat, but he's not a, a physical threat right this second. Mm-hmm. That I thought was cool. Best usage of the spider sense yet. Stop calling it the Peter Tingle, please. Um, nah, I like that. Peter's tingling. That's I, weird. I. I think it's fine sparingly. <laughs> like I did like when they used it with the other Spider-Man later. I that got actually got a kick out of me. Where they're like, "Do you have that?" And he's like, "Yeah, I got the thing." Yes, <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> How did you guys feel about Aunt May dying and her also being the one to say, "With great power comes great responsibility," instead of Uncle Ben? So, I was frustrated because I think that the to the earlier point on the on Peter's like whole I need to save them and they need to live and all this stuff like that came from her and it felt like the whole reason they had that was so that she could get this moment of with great power comes great responsibility because you have the responsibility to keep them alive but because I didn't because I already thought that it was convoluted and I didn't like that as the premise I thought that when it ended up being that may died in that moment and as we talked about alfred molina just like left um <laughs> like it it didn't it didn't feel it had no resonance for me um i i don't think that the uh the way that she died either made a lot of sense like usually those bombs I, the way we've seen in other movies they disintegrate people um that was one time oh well okay well but but still, like I feel like the the gravity of it wasn't it it wasn't there, and it was all because they just wanted her to have this line, and that felt very contrived for me, and I I didn't enjoy that. I it's definitely contrived. Yeah, yeah. I I don't I don't disagree with that. I think my only um, I guess pushback on that is, it felt like a very that feels appropriate <laughs> for Spider Man. To have, um, to have it ha- go down this way, right? To be like, oh, like I'm naively trying to do this altruistic thing, or like do the right thing, and because of that, there are consequences that lead to somebody I care about dying. Like that is the most quintessential thing about Spider-Man. Um, yeah. So the fact that this universe like mate has made the decisions it's made 
to not play the Uncle Ben card earlier, right? And to, you know, seemingly anyway, give us the impression that Ben's been long gone, right? And the Peter's primary familial relationship is with, with Aunt May. Um, just one second. Uh, he died. He died the within the within one year of homecoming. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that would have been before Peter was Spider-Man. Yes. Right. Because isn't he hasn't no. he only been Spider-Man for a few months at that point? Oh no. In 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 Civil War, he had become Spider-Man within a few months. Okay. But Ben is already dead at that point, isn't he? Ben is dead at that point. Okay, right. Um, so yeah, so th- the fact that they they aren't committing to that framing, right? Like for it to be May, um, makes sense in this universe, and it yeah. feels like the same way that they kind of allude to the fact that, like, I made the point earlier about the way that they draw a line between MJ and MJ. I feel like they're doing that here, where it's like this is this universe is that. Right, this is this moment for Peter in this universe, right? In the way that Gwen's death is that for him in the Amazing Universe, right? Even though I guess it's not a one-to-one comparison, but you get what Fair I'm enough. saying. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I agree. It's contrived. This I I don't know if I've ever seen a movie where you could see the the gears turning as much as Ooh, this one. Yeah, um, because. You know, the other reason that they took her off the board is to take her off the board so that in the end, Peter has no one. And it would have been really weird if she was still alive, but she just didn't know who Peter was. Um, yeah, that right. Been, that, I don't think you could have had the movie end the way it does and not kill her. Um, you needed but, to close the loop. Right. I think they found a way to do that and, and at least give her a great moment and give her give take Peter away from the Tony Stark stuff. Which I think was an, again another major criticism of these of Spider-Man and the MCU that he's too attached to Tony. Now his moral compass is rooted in Aunt May, which is what it ought to be. Um, right. If if not Uncle Ben, then definitely Aunt May. Um, so I appreciated that. I cried. It was devastating. This is the first time we've seen Aunt May die in a movie, and I think Marissa Tomei did a great job with what she was given. Um, and I will miss having her in these movies, although they often used her as just like a, you know, oh, she's hot, but, you know, whatever. Not wrong. Um, I, I will say I don't think the the death scene, I, I, I didn't feel like it was acted very well. Um, that, that was just one, like, the thing that also just continued to, like, drop points for me was I, I didn't feel it. Hmm. Almost sure it landed for me, but I also think that, like, if, if you're already feeling cynical about the framing device, it's easy to to have that color your opinion about it. So, like, fair play. I, I get that. Let's let's jump right into it. Let's jump into the moment. Uh, you know, we skip all the – we get the, the sad stuff, then we move forward, and uh, MJ and um, – More Ned, Ned let's go. Portals, and my man Andrew Garfield just comes on in. Hops in. Yep. Um, huge pop from my audience. I, I couldn't actually tell what was happening at first because it's kind of dark. Um, yeah. My girlfriend reacted. Audience members started to react, and I couldn't tell what was happening. You need glasses, um, dude. 
you're right. I do um, <laughs> very much, but uh, huge hype. I wish the moment had been different. I got to say that them just kind of strolling into Ned's house. I was like, yeah, all right. Mm. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I didn't think about that. Cause like, I had never really thought about what it would be like for them to show up. Right. Like, when it was like, oh, like they're gonna be in this movie. It's like, okay, like yeah, they'll have to meet at some point. But I never thought about how we would go about that. So I don't know, like, because I feel like the alternative would have been we're in the middle of a moment and they just show up, right? Like I feel like I was very much ready for each one of their villains to be fighting Tom Holland's Peter, and then they would swoop in and like stop them or be able to help out because like oh i know how to handle x person and yeah like now let's go and regroup that's what i was expecting i feel like that could have led to the whole like oh like he feels like a sidekick to these other older characters thing where it feels like they kind of come together and are like we need to solve this problem as a group you know and rather than him like them coming in and swooping in to save him you know yeah, um, I'm not mad at the fact that they did this in a breather moment because it did help to kind of counterbalance what we had just experienced, which was the death of Aunt May. Um, and because they joined in before a big fight, it meant that the three Peters could spend time together, which had to happen. Yeah. I went into this movie thinking that they would appear at the end of the movie during the last fight. And I'm so glad that that's not what they did. I just literally wish they didn't just appear in Ned's house. That's all. Yeah, I get um, that. But yeah, we get it. You don't like Ned. It's not even that. I just like we get it, Sean. All right. I did. I um, did think it was really. I did like the bit with Andrew Garfield where that where she's like, "Prove it," and he just jumps up. Like I thought that yeah. that got me. That was funny. Um, Ned's mom, you know, that was kind of a little bit funny, a little annoying. (laughs) I did like where she's like, could you get the cobweb like while you're up there? Like, (laughs) um, but when Toby came through, that was, that was it for me. That's the real. Yeah. It's the main event. That that was the moment where he was like, Hey, Marina turns to me. He's like, Hey, that was that other Spider-Man, right? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. Cause when Andrew Garfield walked in, she's like, what's he doing here? And I was like, I don't have time to explain. We're in a movie. And then. And then, uh, which one call it comes through, and then she's like, "Hey, that's the guy." I'm like, "Yeah, they're all Spider-Man from older ones." She's like, "Oh, okay." Well, Tobey was... Maguire looks like shit, right? Really? What? Yeah, he looked, no, he, he looked, looked bad. What? I, I mean, don't know I thought he was looked tired. I don't know if it's he's old. Some Henry Cavill digital altering bullshit, but they look like. He looked like they cut him in half or some or something like. Wow. No, I think wow. he just looks older because he's older. I don't know. Maybe it, maybe it's a different filming technique or something that he just you know he just looks different. I didn't. I thought he looked terrible. Yeah, I kind of agree. He looked he looked a little like haggard, like. I, I don't know. I think you're being real hard on the guy. Like, I think it's just he's not twenty in his twenties anymore. You know, like my dude played Spider Man twenty years ago. He's almost fifty years old now, man. Yeah, yeah but, but you Alfred don't Molina look good. You don't they look, touched. They de-aged whoa, Alfred Molina. Boy, yeah, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I don't know. I thought he looked fine, but be that as it may, sure. um, it was so cool to see them appear here. For me, you know, I had a pretty good idea that they would appear. We all did. Um, getting that moment was worth everything um, for me. I agree. I know that there was a high cost, but I bought in and it was worth it. Um, I I can't believe that we're sitting here talking about a movie that features all three live action Spider-Men being in the movie at the same time. Yeah. And like that for novelty's sake, just for wow factor, like is a very, very cool thing. I think just for me personally, like the Toby, the, at least the first two, uh, Toby Maguire, Spider-Man movies were really, really important to me. You know, the, yeah. the original movie was like, I remember, that's like a, has a huge part of why I have such an association with the character, you know, is like that movie came out um, when my mom was like in hospice and, you know, was like I was really young and was being faced with like tragedy and mortality in a very real way for the first time. And like internalizing that message of like taking something negative and trying to make a positive out of it was something that I really, really connected with. So I have a strong emotional connection to Toby's Spider-Man and um, it was super cool to get to see him step back into that role. And, you know, um, even just for a minute. And the other thing that was amazing about it was that they didn't, treat those two as if they got sucked from like a moment of battle with one of their villains they had lived lives yes they got sucked from whatever their current is and seeing how they had grown andrew garfield's peter saying you know after gwen died i got bitter and i stopped pulling my punches that was heartbreaking and he has he said he has no time for peter parker stuff like it seems like he yeah. has nobody and he's kind of yeah. isolated himself. It's sad. And the idea we get, the impression is that Toby's Peter is still having like a weird, like love. Will they, won't they with MJ this many years down the road? Um, I just love the update. You know, I really, really love the update. Um, but Peter, Toby, Peter has more of like a calm. I've lived through all of this way about him. He felt he felt like Mister Rogers to me. Oh, hey y'all, what y'all doing? You Yo, come fight? Yeah, of hello, course neighbors. I Hell yeah, let's get these webs on. Oh, my oh, back yeah. hurts. I'm gonna have me a stretch. That youth pastor joke was great. That that was, that was legit my favorite joke in the whole fucking movie. I cracked up at that. Okay, so I'm in the theater wearing a light blue. T-shirt, blue bomber jacket, and jeans. I Toby McGuire opens the thing, and I went. That's hilarious, yo! Oh man, um, there were so many great like callbacks and things like that. I want to just point a few of those out. One, uh, in reference to Green Goblin killing Aunt May, he he accomplished a mission that he failed at in the first Spider-Man. Also, of course, him getting to stab Toby, he accomplished a mission he failed at in the first Spider-Man. I was ready to be so mad at this movie. I was oh. like, you better not be parading my boy out just to kill him right now. Like, nah. We already killed Aunt May. We don't need a second one. I was he ready said, for that shit. 
he was like, I've been stabbed before. <laughs> that killed him. He's like, I'm good. I've been stabbed before. <laughs> um, but also, uh, Andrew cracking Toby's back is a very slick reference to. Just, I just found out about this. Dude, to Toby telling Sony that he had back problems in between Spider-Man 1 and 2 because he was trying to angle for some more money and basically say, like, <laughs> hey, if you don't pay me more, I'm headed out because I got back problems. And then he managed to stay in the in the role because of stuff that happened. And he was like, oh, actually, my back's fine. So this was a reference to that. Which That's funny. funny. That's good. I've never heard that before. And then, of course, Andrew Garfield getting to save MJ is him, you know, redeeming himself from failing to save Gwen. What's up, Kale? I, I, I appreciated that moment. I did not like the way we lingered on that moment. Why? I it just didn't. It felt like too much. Oh, you know, Andrew Garfield's. I, fair enough. I I thought he I thought he acted that well. I just that, like, I get I get the emotional res- resonance, you know, but I just like I don't feel like we needed to be beat over the head with it. Like maybe it's because I just saw Amazing Spider-Man two again, like literally last week. But when that happened, I lost it. I was like, oh my god, he's lived his whole life with this pain. Yeah, and he saved the other Peter from having to go through what he did. That was that was bigger to me than Aunt May dying. I I agree. I I I'm with you, Sean. I thought that that was a really, um, I I really liked that moment, and I think it speaks to the for me anyway the things that this movie did well, and it's like you said, uh, like building on what the history of those movies and those characters and how their lives existed and went and went on, rather than like just checking like fan servicey boxes, you know, like that right. to me felt like a more authentic and earned moment um, than some of the other stuff. You know, I, I, I really dug that. Um, We can't not talk about the three Peters moment when they're in the lab working and Ned is like Peter and they all react <laughs> uh, with, a way less smooth way to, to to play off that meme. Obviously, Into the Spider-Verse did it in a way that was more, I guess most people would say better. But I was, oh, man, I thought that was so good. Yeah, I, I dug that. Um, I like the way that they bounced off of each other. Like, I yeah. felt like they had good chemistry. And they're all different enough. Like, their portrayals of Spider-Man are all different enough that, it doesn't feel like three characters with the same voice having a conversation. It feels like three characters, like when they realize the things that they have in common, it's like, Oh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. This is a universal thing versus a me thing. And like that, that felt authentic. You know, I, I dug that, that vibe. Um, yeah. The webbing, how, how they web. That was fun. The first time it happens and they're like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) I really, I like that too realizing that they're all their origins are rooted in tragedy to some degree mm-hmm. um, all that stuff i thought was just fantastic and i could watch a movie that has a lot more of that i would i would never get bored of that they're all so supportive of each other like they lift each other up i thought that was fantastic like i feel like this movie definitively proves that spider-man is the greatest 
uh, film superhero of all time. I'll go on a limb with that. Sure. Yeah. I felt like the whole thing was uh, an extended SNL skit. I, it sits in my brain in like a bad way that was a long meme. I just like, I, and and the thing to come out of it though was like, I really like Andrew Garfield. I yes, really dude. really like his Peter Parker. I don't give a shit what anybody says about those his the way he is in those films. I really like his Peter Parker. It sucks that I, those movies aren't better. I did not like him here. I oh. just like okay. I, I liked him. I liked oh, him yeah. being back in the role. But the for me, just the MCU just it sucks the personality out of all of it. I just that's so ridiculous, dude. I mean, like I you're not, entitled to that opinion. I I don't I don't mean to, I just I I can't imagine feeling that way because I feel the total inverse where like I feel like his like that movie gave him so little to work with and it was oftentimes very flat. Um. And I feel like he came across so much better here. Um, and maybe Boy. it's also because he's a better, more experienced actor now, but... I don't know how you could feel that because it was all just so telegraphed. Like I, it was all just, like, so put forward. I agree with... I, again, I, I, I agree with Pete. Like, I love Andrew Garfield and the amazing movie, the amazing Spider-Man films. I thought him and Emma Stone were the best parts of it by far. Agreed. But I also felt like... And, may, and again, maybe it's because... I really like him there and I was wanting to see more, but coming into it here for me, it was just back to what we did in that movie. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the last scene though, the last, not the last scene, but that, that fight where it's three Spider-Man and Doc Ock versus the rest of them. I thought that was crazy. Cool. Lizard sucks. They didn't care about him. They underserved him. They gave him nothing. I wish they had given him more. But Electro was brilliant, magnificent. Uh, and I mean, cool video game character. What? He was a cool video game character. Yes, absolutely. Um, like he felt, he felt like a final boss. But Willem Dafoe felt like the secret boss. He felt like that boss that your friends don't even know about, and you can't <laughs> beat. That's what he felt like. He felt like a nightmare. And I was so happy with that. The way he was flying around, throwing bombs, grabbing people. Like, it was just crazy. Love the, that. The, like, final confrontation between the two of them, too. Like, very visceral. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, Willem Dafoe, man. Like, I... I, I it, it was a gift to get new scenes of him as the Green Goblin. It really was. Totally. <laughs> Toby's... Or, sorry, go ahead, Marco. Uh, just like right before the fight when they first or like when the three of them um, like regroup and plan and then they all kind of jump back in and then there's a the moment where they're all swinging and it's all done in like their iconic like style I was like oh that was actually kind of cool like everybody had their own way to swing up yeah. against the 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 statue and that was nice totally man good moment like, again they nail all the moments they had to have were there yeah, I, the the literal only things I wish they had that they didn't was um was uh, MJ from the OG movies and uh, Gwen. I really wanted Gwen because I wanted Gwen and and uh, Andrews Peter to see each other again. Um, I understand why they didn't do it, but I wish they had. It is what it is. Um, 
in reference to the final fight, though, they fought the same way that Toby and Norman fight. They're like very physical, just punching each other. But this was uh, what I like about this, this one and how I feel like it elevates Tom Holland is that he beat Norman's ass. He beat him bad. And that's what I wanted to see. Beat someone one-on-one, no help, just you yourself. And he finally did that. And he has this moment where he wants to kill him. He really just wants to kill him. And Toby stops him. Oh, man. Toby and his soft, dull eyes. I'm. Yep, I love it. He didn't even have to say anything because they both know. Yeah. I I love that. I thought it was, it was good. Great. It was a good beat. Yep. Yeah, that 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 definitely landed for me. Yeah. Um, there were people saying that in the in the sky when the sky cracks open, the multiverse, you could see other characters. People said you could see the Watcher. People Rhino. Said you could see Rhino, Rhino and Craven. Yeah. On Scorpion, I saw none of that. Really? Um, again, I need glasses. I didn't see a single character. Yeah, I definitely saw I Scorpion and Rhino. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. Great, great ending. I lo- I love the ending. I thought it ended fantastically. Um, Peter agreeing to let everyone forget him, I thought was major. It's you know that Peter sacrifice that we you know that we know and love him for. He sacrificed himself for the greater good. I love that. Um, and it fucking then, bummed me out though. It was yeah, just yeah. like, yeah, like it's a good decision um, for the character too. Like where he ends off is, I think, in a good place, and it will present an opportunity to address a lot of the things that you know people have critiqued the character, uh, the characterization of of this Peter um, for moving forward, which is, I think, probably ultimately a good thing. Um, yeah. But like, man, dude, he already lost his aunt. Like, we're really going full. We're just twisting the knife on this one. And that scene where he says goodbye to MJ, that was hard. I'll give you this. That was the one place I felt something. And I, was, I, yeah. I don't like I this further cemented that I don't like Tom Holland. And I don't like his Peter Parker. But that moment between them was truly, like, emotional and and passionate yeah that moment yeah. is tenfold in all the other movies it's a shame it's a real terror i'm so man and when he goes back and sees her at the shop and she doesn't know who he is and ned doesn't know who he is and they still have this like almost weird chemistry yeah with each other where they're like magnet she's magnetized to him and she doesn't know why um, and he comes in with this script or whatever, and he just can't do it. And he realizes, you know what? I got to stay away from these people. I thought that was great. I think that they could have done a slightly better job explaining why he would choose that. We all understand it's because he doesn't want to put his friends at risk, but they don't. There's no visual or otherwise cue to tie that to Aunt May's death. Because he was so gung-ho about having them in his life before and gung-ho about them helping him even after she died. Or he wasn't gung-ho about it, but he let it happen. Mm. Um, I wish that they would have done something to tie that together. But in any event, I kind of hope we don't see them again. Really? Yep. Hot take, I guess. I... Why? Wait, wait, why? Uh, because I think it was clean. I think it was a clean break. They're going to Boston. He's taking his GED and staying in New York. 
and presumably, and I don't see how it would work. First of all, they're, they're living their life over there. He's living his life in New York. It has to be that way. Spider-Man is a New York city hero. He cannot be the hero of Boston. Um, and also there's other friends, there's other girls, there's other things that happen in Peter's life that if this is the track we're on, they can't limit it to just those two characters. There has to be more. And I would love to see Felicia Hardy. I feel like that's a clear, easy next girlfriend. Does Harry exist? We got to talk about that too. Uh, but he's had us has other friends than Harry. So there's so many places to still go. I would love to just put them aside and go down a different road. Mm, maybe he like they come back like later or something. I, maybe. I mean, maybe I, I'm in a weird place with it where like I part of me felt disappointed by that because of like what it means for Peter. And like, I'm, you know, I, I like those characters. I feel like the three of them have chemistry and everything. And, you know, they're good, but I also feel like I don't see how you backtrack that now. Right. Like if he wasn't going to go do it, then there's never a better time to have that conversation where it actually works and is meaningful. Right. Like I feel like, I feel like it's probably better to just leave well enough alone and let him move on, you know? If and why would we're going? Yeah. Why would she even like, she doesn't know him from Adam. So him telling her, Hey, you know, all this stuff. Why would she then go? Oh, I love you too. Like she doesn't know him at all. So it's kind of awkward. And I, I really think that they, they gave themselves a space to tell new stories, and I think that's the right decision. Him with the new costume was brilliant. I was so happy to see that. He finally made his own costume. Yes, let's go. Like, this is Peter. This is what I want. This is what I wanted. All The whole time they addressed every criticism. Yeah, right? It's like the... It's, it's like the dream status quo for Peter, right? He's broke. He's got a shitty apartment. Uh, right. He's an enemy of the Daily Bugle. He's got to figure out how to pay his rent. That's our new status quo. <laughs> this is the Parker Luck era. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. Rent is due on Monday. <laughs> I wish they would have gotten that guy. That is oh, oh, my God. Yeah. They should have they brought that motherfucker back. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's that's the movie. That's that's the two hours and, and a half. Um, before we give our ratings, I do want to just talk quickly about the end credit stuff. Um. The first end credits is the scene with Venom, right? Or is it the doctor? Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is no, Venom. Venom. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we see that Eddie is in the MCU. He's still in Mexico or wherever, getting a history of, you know, Thanos and the Avengers and blah, blah, blah. And then he gets plucked out, just like all the other villains. So in a bit of a cheeky way, it's saying that he was kind of like the last member of the Sinister Six, but right. he was stuck over there. That makes zero sense to me. Um it also, at first glance, comes across as an extremely large plot hole, because how does this version of Eddie know who Peter is other than what he saw on television? You got to pay really close attention to Venom 2, but in Venom 2, the symbiote tells Eddie that he's going to show him everything that all the, all the symbiotes know because they're a hive mind. So what they're saying is that the Venom from Spider-Man 3 knew who Peter was. And even though it died, that data got uploaded, if you will, 
to the hive mind of the symbiotes. And so that's why this symbiote knows who Peter is. The implication is that every Venom from the entire multiverse will know who Peter Parker is. And that's why that happened. Wait, I thought that really? Was, yes. Oh. oh, okay. Okay. I thought that was awful. That's needlessly convoluted. It's the only way to do this. There was there was no other way. Because if it's not that, then there's no way to get Eddie into this universe for a single second. Wait. Oh, 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 oh okay. That makes oh, sense to me okay. now. I was like, what yeah. do you mean? Like, why? But right. Because that's the only you reason they were pulled known. in in the first place. Right. right. In, in Venom okay. 2, you don't know why he's all of a sudden there. You just know that he is. But now we understand why that happened to him. And of course, he leaves a drop of the Venom symbiote behind. Yeah. A little Which border. is cool. That's hype. I'm excited yeah, I'm about fine that. With that. Yeah. Great. Um, question, though. The end credit scene of Venom 2, Tom Holland was in that, no? Yes, but he's that. Ha so when he wakes up and sees the television with that scene, with that bit you're referencing, oh. it's after he gets teleported. So he sees that on TV. We think he's just seeing the end of Far From Home. He's not. Got it. Got it. Okay. That makes sense now. Yeah. What a clean way to do that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had to do a lot of mental gymnastics to under to figure it out like wait what but that was that um so yeah the symbiotes in mexico yippee. look at that but, but like look at look at marvel and sony playing nice together and being like okay we already have our venom you can have your own <laughs> <laughs> we'll see i can't wait to talk about that on the uh main show next week um, the other end credit scene, of course, ended up being the trailer for Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. I was really, really glad they put this here and not at the start of the movie. Kale, out of curiosity, did they accidentally play the trailer at the start of the movie for you? Like, nope. uh, okay. Because I remember that, I think you told me that that had happened uh, once before. Oh, that was um, that was in New Zealand for... Thor? No, that was in um, Luxembourg for Captain Marvel. Might have been, might have been. Um, but yeah, I had I had read people suggesting like, oh, I hope they don't do that in my theater, and I thought of you. So um, that trailer was super cool. We'll do a more detailed breakdown like down the road, but I just wanted to get like quick thoughts about it. Super cool, Shuma Guroth. What if Doctor Strange? Like, holy shit! That going... was what if, right? Yeah, absolutely. Dude. Mm -hmm. That's Had to be. cool. Yeah, absolutely. There are no other Doctor Strange villains. Who else could it be? <laughs> hey, man, we got Shumagorov. Yeah, you yeah. already did Dormammu. We're like, more, yeah, they've Mordo. they've used them all. So yep. yeah, we've hit. Hey, this. what about Nightmare? They've used them all, and I've run out. Um, yep. <laughs> so cool. I called it. I have to give myself props. I freaking knew they were going to use that version of Doctor Strange in the films. Pete, I think we talked about that we as did. well. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Can't wait to dissect that trailer more. Yeah, I I'm with you there. Um, I thought it was cool. I that that I, I mean, obviously, Shima Gorath is fucking awesome. I'm very excited about that. Um, shout out tomorrow versus Capcom, too. Yes, but uh, <laughs> which is the entire reason I pop for that character. But, um, Me too, dude. The uh, the the moment of 
seeing the evil Doctor Strange from What If, coupled with the fact that we saw the Watcher uh, in the that one scene during you know um, No Way Home, uh, really has me excited about the implications of like the What If stuff because we we talked about that so much and like could these versions of characters come back? Could they bring other you know people into the universe and all that yeah. kind of stuff and like you know it gives the idea of like could we maybe see like a captain carter or something like that like you know in, in live action. Yes. yeah and i feel like all that stuff is a hundred percent on the table um after mm-hmm. seeing that so that's that's really cool um, marvel zombies confirmed i like the idea that they can like use what if to get like some of those high concept things like introduced or you know like or done in a way that's like you know um more bite-sized and and then like kind of roll it in later right like we have the establishment of this evil doctor strange and we don't need to do that in the movie now he he can just be there and be a character right um yeah so final score final thoughts for spider-man no way home uh, I'm going to give it a 7.5. Whoa. Um, okay. I think it was, I think it was good. I, it didn't knock my socks off and it wasn't bad. I think there were definitely for me, some plot holes and some things that like were convenient for the narrative that was being told. And um, I, I didn't enjoy those things. And it was a bit more of a detriment to the to the movie for me. I thought it was cool to see all the Spider Men. It didn't it didn't have the same pop for me as it did for y'all. So I think that's just my take on it. Uh, if you know if 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 you don't have that resonance, I don't know that it'll do as much for you. Um, I'm speaking for me, and uh, I think the. Yeah, the, some of the emotional moments didn't land. Um, other than that, I think for it being a Spider-Man story, it was it was fun. It was it was fun otherwise. Uh, it, I think for me, I I liked the pacing and the banter and the engagement that I got in Far From Home. I think that was a bit better done. Some of the will they won't they the um, the interactions with the with the villains um yeah i think this was serviceable for the for the final movie and for a spider-man movie in the mcu okay kale uh i'm like i'm like a six um i liked it more than i thought i would um but i mean uh, you know like i said at the top of this like i i just these films just don't do anything for me anymore. And, you know, this, this was no exception. You know, the, the moments where I did feel things, they were either interrupted by a a dumb quip or they weren't fleeting and too fast. Um, I think I, I don't particularly like that the end of this, you know, fifth or sixth appearance of this character Am I wrong? Three solo movies and three team movies. Yeah, yeah that's right. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, I don't like that. Now we're at the the point where this is the character as he should be. Um, I that drives me crazy. 
Um, I just, uh, it just doesn't, I, I, I can't believe that they saw into the spider verse and went, yeah, we could do that. And didn't, didn't. That's not, that's not. Hey, it's my, my time. Fair <laughs> enough. I'm just 10. saying that that's not how this movie came together, but. Uh, well, enough. okay. Um, yeah, I, uh, I give it a, a nine. Um, I, I acknowledge every single thing about it that doesn't work, but, and again, bias for sure. Um, due to how much I love all these Spider-Men and their rich histories on screen, the Spider-Man character that's been a part of my life since I was two years old and everything that goes along with all that good stuff. Um, this movie was a, a, a joy and a pleasure that I don't know when we'll ever get to feel something like this again. Um, you know, Endgame was sort of that, but this was this was like even bigger than that in a sense because shit took characters from the whole history of, of Spider-Man, you know, on screen. So um, this was incredible. Certainly a step up from the Spider-Man, the animated series crossover that they did. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm the, 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 the final episodes where it was like all the Spider-Men together. Kale? A clone saga. Uh, whatever it was called, but there was like this, there was multiple Spider-Men and they were facing off with carnage or whatever at okay. the, the end of the universe, whatever the hell. Um, but I can't wait to see where they take Spider-Man next. I have so many thoughts about that. So many questions. Um, no way home is, is, is it's amazing. I loved it. I'd also give it a nine. Um, I think I'm very much aligned <clears throat> with, uh, with what Sean laid out there where it's like, uh, this, this movie has structural problems, you know, like I think it's fair to say that it's messy, but ultimately, um, you know, I, I go into these movies like looking to, have a good time or feel something right and and i i achieved both of those things and i know that um this movie leans on my being a spider-man fan and specifically having a connection and a nostalgia uh particularly for the raimi films you know um but that's okay right like i was the target audience for this and i think they hit they hit me where i you know um where i wanted them to so you know um there are a lot of uh, things that I love that are that have obvious flaws, right? Um, so for me, none of those things are things I'd argue against, but they also aren't things that got in the way of me enjoying the things about it that I wanted to enjoy. Yeah. Um, and if a messy landing um, is what you know we needed to to make those things happen. Um, that's a trade I'm willing to take, you know? Um, I think I am happy about the new status quo that's been been established for this character, and I am looking forward to see where, thing, where things go from here. Um, I feel like this era, um, for, you know, whatever your complaints may be about it, it's very, very heavily influenced by um, the Ultimate Era, and and there's like a lot of choices that feel pretty reminiscent of stuff from that 
that time and that universe, which obviously had a, a lot of influence on how the MCU is structured. Um, and it feels like them kind of like putting a pin on that and moving into that, you know, um, that really classic era of Spider-Man that I think most Spider-Man fans associate with. Um, so, I, you know, I, I can definitely see where Kale's coming from in terms of being frustrated um, that, like, it took that long to get here. But I think I really responded to these movies exploring different angles and different things that we hadn't ever done. And the fact that now there's all this space between the last time we did all this shit, I think it can feel fresh again. Um, yeah. and, I, and I like that. You know, I think that ultimately that was a good choice. Um, so, yeah, I think it's funny because this movie is probably not a great Spider-Man movie, quote unquote. It feels almost like the way that Civil War is like not really a Captain America movie, but it's a really good movie. Um, yeah. That's the vibe this has for me, where it's less about Peter specifically and what it means to be Spider-Man. Like, yes, that's a big part of, of the plot and the narrative, but like that's a beat in the narrative, right? I think it's the movie is very like meta, right? It's about the legacy of Spider-Man on film and tying that up you know, what it's been and what it, you know, um, could be and tying it all together as much as we can and kind of giving us a new place to move forward. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where, where Peter's journey goes from here because, you know, we're, we're in prime, prime real estate now, you know, um, we can pretty much go in any direction and the idea that, you know, we'll get, the introduction of the symbiote suit and ideally have, you know, maybe a more traditional um, version of that narrative is something that I, I am looking forward to, you know? So there's plenty of stones left to turn. Yep. And uh, I have enjoyed the ride of Spider-Man and the MCU. It's not ending. We do have confirmation of that, but how that's going to take shape, we don't quite know. And I'll enjoy the ride of getting to that, too. So um, hopefully you guys enjoyed the ride of listening to this very long review, almost as long as the movie. But Half hour shorter. Do, we're getting better. Yeah. We wanted to do a thorough job of dissecting it for you guys. So thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. As always, make sure that you guys leave us a subscribe before you go, a rating, a review. What, wherever you're listening to us, there's a way to support. Please do do that. Listen to our main show to keep up with our thoughts about Spider-Man and everything else you like from the MCU and comics and all that good stuff. Again, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. We are the Comics Pals saying until next time, take care, guys.